Scripture is powerful. We can sometimes leave it as just a history lesson, and then it loses the living part that Sally was talking about. Um, But when I think about what Scripture is for, I think of this passage in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, really 4, 5, and 6. And so before we talk about Mary, which is who we're going to focus on this week, next week we're going to focus on Joseph, and the following Sunday focus on Jesus. Last Sunday we talked about how the Christmas story at L Street, we talked about how the Christmas story is a story about family, God creating family and inviting us all into it. And so we're focusing on the family in the Christmas story, in the incarnation, and trying to learn from their examples. But Before we focus specifically on Mary together, I wanted to just read this scripture, Romans 15, 4. It says, For whatever was written in former days, whatever scripture was written in the past, was written for our instruction. Right? Supposed to learn from this. It was written for our instruction. So that through endurance, like hanging in there, persevering, enduring through endurance, and the, through the encouragement of the scriptures, being encouraged by what we read, the good things we read, the hope being encouraged by scriptures, that we might have hope. So may the God of endurance and the God of encouragement grant us to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything that was written in the past was written so that through endurance and encouragement, we might live. Do you see that? I think it's verse 5 there. May the God of endurance and encouragement, the same God that did the things that were here, is the God that does those things now. May he grant us to actually live. These things were not written to be history lessons. These things were meant to be instructional so we could see what kind of God is out there so that we could live in unity with one another and in unity with Jesus. The way Jesus lived, the way we see God working with all. We have a God who grants endurance. We all need endurance. We have a God who grants uh, encouragement. We all need encouragement. We have a God that grants hope. We all need hope. So all these things are written down so that we can get the same things in our lives to live that the people that we have recorded in Scripture got from the same God that we worship so that they could live. The Christmas story, the Christmas story is for us to learn from and live out. Not just to make a fable or a story or a nativity scene to put on the mantelpiece. We're supposed to live out every word of scripture, because the same God that granted these individuals to experience him in that way is still working today. So I don't just want to know about a Mary, a Joseph, a Jesus, a Moses, an Abraham, a Paul. I want to experience the things that Mary and Joseph and Jesus and Abraham and Moses and Paul experienced, because the same God that was at work then is at work now. So as we read about Mary this morning, I do not want to leave her in the history books. I want her to be an inspiration to us, specifically to mothers. What does it look like to be a godly mother? What if the Christmas story with Mary inspired us to be women and mothers, caretakers, like she was? 
versus doing our best and getting by and looking back and be like, wow, that was special what God did back then. It's so that God may grant us to live in unity, to live lives with him the same way that he did in all the scripture. So we go to Luke, Luke chapter 1 and 2. I have a couple of scriptures I want to move through because I'd like to give us a snapshot into who Mary is so that she can inspire us. As mothers, for those of us who are, as women, as caretakers, maybe your grandparents watching grandkids, maybe you're fostering or adopting, please pay special attention to what qualities were in this woman. But also for all of us as Christians, as a godly individual, we all can learn from her. Be inspired to live in unity, to live as Christ by learning from her. So we're in the Gospel of Luke, we're in chapter 1, we're going to read from that, then we're going to read a couple excerpts through Jesus' life where she shows up again. There's lots of traditions that have uh, evolved over the years, over the centuries, regarding Mary, but you'll be able to read for yourself where she appears in the Gospels. So you'll see these are the things that the Bible tells us are true about Mary, who she is, her character, her involvement with Jesus and his ministry, her role in the church. You'll just see them and read them for yourself. And anything beyond that are kind of church and human traditions that have been added to. And so what I'd like to do is simplify to the heart, hear exactly what the Bible says about her so that she can inspire her with what we can know without a shadow of a doubt by the people who wrote about her life, by the people who lived back then. She is an inspiration. Uh, and So straight from the pages of Scripture, let's hear Mary's story and hopefully let it inspire us to live it out as well. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What a prophecy. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So impossible for someone who's barren to have a child, impossible for someone who's virgin to have a child. God says, No, this is me stepping in. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So then in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That word believed is the key word. I want us to just catch the whole thing. Mary believed. Mary was a mother who believed. Believed in what God said about her child. Believed in what God said about her husband. Believed in the Lord. Believed in her family. She believed, and that belief carried her through her entire life. She never stopped believing. She carried on faithfully, and it starts right here. She was afraid, yes, but she believed. Let it be so. Elizabeth said, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. So what's Mary's response? This beautiful song. She sings. She praises God. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. From behold, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, about three months and then returned to her home. So the rest of chapter 1 is the birth of John the Baptist and his father's prophecy. Skip to the beginning of chapter 2 just to conclude this part. So chapter 2 of Luke, verse 1, says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to be registered, each to his own hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I will bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So when the angels went away from them into, the heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them by the angels concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had told them. Now at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, the firstborn. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 39, I guess we can go through with... um, Anna as well. It's just a few verses there. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. And she didn't depart from the temple. She worshipped with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Now, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Think of Mary's experience and think of that word believed. What if when she had that prophecy, she said, I don't know, that couldn't happen. What if as Simeon prophesies over the baby, she just doubts and she doesn't believe? What if they don't follow through on the law of Moses for purification and circumcision and never find themselves in that temple at that moment? What if Mary did not believe? But God chose this humble woman because she did believe. She was favored. She was chosen, not because she was anything special. Her own prayer, her own song is, you've chosen someone humble to do something great because you're great, God. She was willing. Think about the power of a mother's belief. And think about the the danger and the damage when mothers don't believe. Think about a mother who does not believe in her children. You can't do that. You'll never be able to do that. Think about the, the potential for destruction in that family of a wife who doesn't believe in her husband. He can't do that. He'll never do that. Think about the words that Mary spoke. I believe. May it be so, God. Your will be done. Thank you for doing these things, hearing these things, saying, wow, I'm treasuring this up. I'm marveling at this. I believe. And then carrying that forward through Jesus' life. What if she being the kind of mother that didn't believe? This child could never be that. I could never get pregnant. Our family could never amount to that. My husband's just a carpenter. He can't be the father of the next king. The power of a believing mother is like a world-changing thing for her family. 
the belief. And when things fall apart, the mother who still believes, who keeps on believing, who stands there and says, I know things are falling apart, but I believe in you. I believe in you, son. I believe in you, daughter. I believe in you, husband. You've got this. We'll get this. We'll work together. I'm here for you. Because I believe that God has purpose. Praise God for his purpose for our family. Praise God for his purpose for your future. I told you there were a few places in Scripture I wanted to see Mary where she shows up. And each and every time she continues to believe that her son is God's chosen one. And each time she's there helping him, the mother supporting him, believing in his future and helping to make it happen. This can be an inspiration to us as parents, never mind just mothers. We believe that our children, you know, the, the children who witness what's going on in a homeless shelter on one small day, that they have a future that God set up for them and are willing to walk with them through whatever that's going to be, believing the entire time. Yes, God has a plan for you. And I will be here in any way I can to help you achieve whatever it is that God has for you. That belief is so powerful. Flip over to John chapter 2. And then we're going to go back to uh, Luke 8. So if you want to keep your finger in the Gospel of Luke, let me just read a couple more moments where Mary interacts with Jesus. The first miracle he does, he started to have a couple of disciples following him. He finds himself at a wedding. His mother is there with him. So John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana, in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. So he's already teaching, but this first miracle is about to cement his status as God. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars, water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. They filled them up to the brim. Now he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you've kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Mary is in this place, there is a need, and she believes in her son. I know who you are. I think this might be the moment for you to step up. You can do this. I believe in you. And he says, my moment has not yet come. But isn't it interesting that Mary leads him into that conversation? Because it's almost like she's saying, Jesus, yeah, I believe in you. And he's like, I don't know, is this the moment? Is this where I begin to do all these things that we've been waiting my entire life to sort of kick off? He says, yes. And he steps into it. His mother right there by his side, believing in him. You're not just my boy Jesus from this backwater town. You are the son of God. This is what you are meant for. Let's do this. She's there helping him. And she walks in with him and walks out with him. She's there with him, along with his brothers, you know, actual family, siblings, as well as disciples, he begins his ministry. Now flip back to uh, Luke chapter 8. There's another comment about Mary continuing. Uh, Mary and Jesus' mother and his brothers. Luke 8, 19. Then his mothers and his brothers came, mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So Jesus is teaching, and his family members, his mother and his brothers, show up and try to get to him, but can't. It's crowded. 
Verse 20, he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So his mother and brothers could have taken offense at that. He's saying, you're not more special to me than anyone here who's following the will of God. We are a family, not just these people who are blood relatives, but anyone who follows the will of God. These are God's people. I'm the son of God. You're sons and daughters of God. This is my family. But his mother and brothers were there. They were there supporting him. They were there with him. They were there walking. They wanted to see him. They wanted to be with him. They had not abandoned him. This mother still believed. This mother goes to these places where her son is teaching to support him. His brother's along as well. Flip over back to the Gospel of John. We're going all the way to the crucifixion, John 19. So the end of the Gospel of John. Mary is at the cross. This is her chance If she's going to say, I don't believe, it wasn't meant to be, the prophecy got it wrong, this was her chance. But instead, she believes. She's standing there, supporting her son, believing all the way through to the end, having supported him every step of the way, having believed in him, having spoken that prophecy to him and over him and prayed. She's there at the very end. And in John 19, verse 25, it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So these women are there. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to Mary from the cross, Woman, behold your son, John, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother, Mary. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. Mary's adopted by John as a surrogate son, an adoptive mother, however you want to say it. Come live with me. This mother who believed in her son all the way to the end. She's not the one here cursing and spitting and angry or defying or rebelling. She's just believing. There's a prophecy. I don't know. I think I'm seeing the end. But I believe. And guess what? She didn't stop there. Last passage. Flip forward probably just a page, maybe two. To the, gospel, or to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts 1, verse 12. Jesus has now appeared. Right? He's appeared to these select group of people, and he, he's meeting with them, he's talking with them, they're recognizing that this resurrection thing happened, and he says, then wait for the Holy Spirit to come. It describes a prayer meeting, a beautiful, beautiful prayer meeting here, and guess who is still there? Mary. Acts 1, Verse 12, so they, the whole group, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter was there, and John, and James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All these were with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And then Peter stands up and says, this is the prophecy fulfilled, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and they go out in power. That's a believing mother, a mother who believed in not just the potential of her son, but in God's promise, and said, I believe, 
And she was there from beginning to end. She didn't just say, go on your way. You know, I pray that God blesses you. She stood next to and she supported. And when things got tough, she was there at the foot of the cross saying, I'm here for you. I believe in you despite it all. That's the favored mother that God chose to rear and nurture his son. That's a powerful thing. And when I think about our families, my mother shared earlier, maybe she's downstairs, I don't know if she's still up here. Like, I was raised by a mother who believed in me and believed in the power of God. Still does. And when those two things are together, that's like an unstoppable force. Parents who believe in their children, who love them, who support them in any way they can, and who believe that there's a God that's able to take that child into whatever plan he has for them. Mothers, can we be those women in our own families? Now, it's not based on evidence. Mary had no evidence. She believed that God was able to give her a child when she was, there was no evidence there. It's not based on evidence when Simeon, you know, is there at the purification of a baby and is talking about their future. When the water is still water, there's no evidence when she turns to her son and says, I think this is the time. I believe in you. When she's at the cross, there's no evidence that he's going to get off that cross or rise. It doesn't look like it. The belief comes first, and then God uses that power of belief. If you believe even as small as a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to jump into the ocean. That's who Mary was. She believed despite. And look what God did through her. Can we be mothers like that? Can we be wives like that? Even when there's no evidence of our marriage, can we be daughters like that? Can we be women like that? How about just as Christians? Can we be Christians like that? Imagine what our families would look like if we believed in the people that God had put in our lives. Not because of their perfection, not because of the track record, but because we have faith that God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with him. That's what I want to be inspired by from Mary in this Christmas story. That's what I want to be encouraged with. And that's what I want to be enduring in. I want my children to know that I believe in them no matter what. No matter how many times or how big or how small they screw up or succeed or whatever. That I want to support them and believe in them and believe that there's a God that will carry them through to the plans that he has. I want to believe that in my wife. And even if I or she don't live up to that standard, it's okay, it's not about us. It wasn't about Mary. That's the belief in God. You put together the belief in one another, love for one another, support, and the belief that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. That's world-changing stuff. I would like us to live like that based on what was written in the scriptures in former times for our encouragement so that God, who is a God of encouragement and endurance, may grant us to live it to live it out. I pray that it would matter and that our families would change simply by reading about how this family changed in large part because of a mother who believed. I'd like to close with a prayer and a blessing over each of us here to ask that God would do in our families what he did in that family and then we'll close with a song and we'll see what God does as we live it out this Christmas season. Would you please pray with me? Holy Father God, may your will be done in our lives. 
here in our homes and families as it is in heaven. Not because we deserve, not because we've proven to you something, but because you would show us grace. Let us not lean upon our own understanding or upon the evidence we see with our eyes, but let us believe, let us live by faith, not by sight. And may you work with that tiny little kernel of faith to do miracles. Please give us hope and inspire us and encourage us this morning, Father God, that our families may be Mary, Joseph, Jesus, that your prophecies and your promises would stand true for us as well. I ask your blessing on every mother, every potential future mother, every aunt, every teacher, every woman who's a role model, every foster adoptive mother, every grandmother, every stepmother. Would you please give them the humility and the hope of Mary? May they inspire us the same way that she does. And for each of us today, Father, I pray that you would give us belief that you are good and that you will do what you have promised. Look forward to seeing what ways you'll work this out in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name.